0: This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down to earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now, here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England.
1: want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Blue Collar Culture podcast. I'm your co host, Ryan England, and I'm joined today with Jeremy McLiver. Hey, Get going. All right. Today I'm really excited about the guests we have today. I've known Mike Tony and Travis Gibson for a long time, and they are amazing at what they do. They're actually partners at Conquest Training Systems, a sales training and leadership development company. Mike Tony has founded many successful companies, and at Conquest, he's responsible for setting the vision, leading the team, and serving as a cheerleader. Those are Mike's words for their amazing clients and team. He's dedicated to changing the lives and businesses of his clients, and he likes to boast that he does this by being more committed to his clients than they are to themselves. Travis has over 20 years of industrial sales experience and is a self-taught sales professional, a student of the game. As a sales manager, he often struggled to get sales teams to perform. That was until he met Mike and fell in love with the psychology of sales and human communication. Travis is a tough sales coach that helps clients experience breakthroughs in how they think about sales and apply simple systems so they can grow. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I'm really excited about today's call because uh, just a little background. You guys have been so critical in the development of my company, uh, but not just the company, but also as a person. I've better relationships because of some of the systems and psychology stuff that you guys have taught me. So I'm really excited to have you guys here. One of the first questions I like to ask is for you to tell me a little bit about your story. How did you get to where you are? So uh, Travis, if you could start, I would love that.
2: Yeah, thanks, Ryan. So I started in sales 20 years ago. I was very fortunate in my first sales position to have a manager and a mentor who was a student of the game. And if I'm completely honest, and I, I know he would agree, a uh, self-help junkie. And he introduced to me the idea of self-improvement and learning and about myself and, and really the concept that sales is a profession and that we've got to constantly be sharpening the tools. So, over the course of 20 years of working with various manufacturers, distributors, contractors, engineers, et cetera, and learning the trade and the the craft of selling, I was constantly picking up any book, CD, cassette tape, anything that I could get my hands on to help me become a better sales professional. Um, And somewhere in that process, Uh, I managed teams of salespeople, and and we had good success, and and business grew, and things were great. And at one point in time, I I hired a sales professional that had experience in our industry, um, had sales background, was a little bit different, but it was one of those where this should be a good fit. Uh, I like the candidate. I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to teach him the products. I'm going to teach him the applications and TuneUp is selling a little bit but we're we're going we're just going to kick butt and take names. And when you know 6 months into it and a lot of headaches and a lot of banging my head against the wall, uh it just couldn't get production out of the guy and it led me to reach outside. I'm I'm humble enough and smart enough to know that I don't know enough about everything. So I reached out and I found Mike Tony and got signed up and said, look, we we need some help. And uh, if my sales guy's going through this, I'm going through it with him so that we speak the same language. and, And I know what he's going through and I'm there to support him. And I left the first day, full day I spent with Mike, with my sales guy and a group of other salespeople. And everything that I thought that I knew about sales and the dynamic of human communication was completely flipped upside down. And it left me Thursday night after meeting with Mike for a full day, uh, just wondering what else there was. Like, if, if if any of this is true, what else is true, and what else can you, what else can I learn? And it it led me to get engaged with Mike, get my sales guy engaged with Mike, and Mike mentored and taught me so much about that dynamic and the, the psychology of human communication, and I, what I soon found is that I loved it enough and was excited enough about it that I wanted to share this with other sales professionals that had struggled or were struggling with the same kinds of things that I struggled with and it didn't take long before I could see clearly that my future was working with Mike and helping our clients uh, overcome those challenges and to see sales in a different way and and I think probably the the thing that really made me fall in love with what we do and what I do is when I get to talk to somebody like yourself, Ryan, who's a who's an entrepreneur, a CEO, and sales is kind of this dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about. And when you're able to put it in the right context and understand sales differently, it's an exciting thing. It's it's fun to have a conversation with somebody and get to a real honest conversation. And I've fallen in
1: love with with helping people do that. Wow, that's great. How about you, Mike? Tell us a little bit about your journey
0: well uh i'm I'm one of those weirdos I'm sorry to say that was a design engineer for many years and um started work for a little company named Hewlett Packard after designing missile systems for quite a while and through my journey at hewlett Packard, I ended up in sales because I had all the product expertise and I thought I was the expert in Um, all things electronic at the time and decided I could make a lot more money since they had these huge commission plans and uh, failed pretty dramatically at that job until uh, I got some severe coaching and became uh, HP's number one uh, sales guy for seven years straight, literally took a territory from $700,000 to over $200 million. And uh, there was a discussion about, uh, hey, Mike, you're making too much money. And that was a moment where uh, I decided to leave Hewlett-Packard because they were going to make sure I didn't make as much money as I was making. So I figured I could contribute to others and figure out how to uh, make as much money as I wanted to being an entrepreneur. And that's when I started Conquest Training Systems. Uh, this October it will be 23 years. I can't believe I'm that old or the company's that old. But that's uh, in the synopsis how I came to be and in this 23 years Had uh, a life set of changing experiences. One, becoming an entrepreneur, and two, um, the magnitude of contribution that I bring to people gives my life a a purpose I couldn't have experienced any other way. So, for those entrepreneurs out there, I just want to know. I want you to know I've got your back. We're always here for you, and I hope this conversation today really helps.
3: Mike, I'm I'm always impressed when somebody um, that can be a top performer that's got that drive, can recognize that outside help can help them. Sometimes I find that those A players, as sometimes are called, think they got it all in the bag and they can they can handle it themselves. So what's some of the, you know, obviously you've lived in that world and you recognize that outside help was going to be a great support for you. What are, uh, what are some of the tricks, ways that you help them understand that they need that help and that support?
0: Boy, I hate to calibrate the the host here, but (laughs) I don't believe that there's very many tricks. You know, like part of the reason why I rely on Ryan as a as a contributor to me and my leadership development, or why I rely on you, Jeremy, in terms of how we grow and install the right behaviors and systems and structures in our business, uh, is because I know that there are no tricks, and you have to solve the problem from the root. And really solve, you know, the the underlying issues correctly, and make the strategic investments in your business. And I, I would say that of all the clients that I first get, and I'm sure you see this in your world, you know, they uh, they're running a, a lean company, they're trying to organically grow the company. It's a little bit cash flow strapped, so they don't make the proper investments up front sometimes. And uh, I I would say that one of the things that I would coach them to do is reach out to people like yourself, reach out to sales coaches if that's the case. You know, really make a good strategic investment in the company rather than waiting too long and then having a bunch of things to get cleaned up because you didn't have the right structures, systems, methods, communication internal to your company. So there's there's no shortcuts, there's no tricks. This is from my perspective, doing it right as quickly and as correctly as you can early in the in your development of your company,
3: I love that answer, <clears throat> and so often people think that they are tricks like what is that that what is that little magic thing or what 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 can I say to manipulate the situation and I couldn't agree with you more. uh it's dig down to the root. it's gonna be some hard work, and I definitely found uh you know my clients getting to work with you. And they get into really what's going on in the sales cycle, what's really going on deep down. And it's not a bunch of tricks and lines. It's really,
1: there's a psychology to it, as you said, Travis. There's no silver bullets. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, there's- yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, there are simple things to go do. I, I just don't want it to be conveyed as a trick, right? There are, you know, the first thing we do when we're, we're engaging with anybody is we look for the obvious first, right? Where's the, 3% of energy I can in, inject to get 20% output as quickly as possible. That may look like a trick. It's not a trick. It's a matter of our expertise going in to solve a small problem with a huge return. You understand the difference? A trick is, oh, let me pull a rabbit out of the hat. And you you never knew where it came from. But if if what I'm talking about is, hey, where is that obvious thing as a coach where's the thing that you're stumbling on where's your blind spot and allow me to come in and open that blind spot up for you it looks like a simple change some people might call it a trick it's not a trick it's solving a problem from years of experience years of design structure understanding psychology understanding you know the proper running of a business and then from there you get maximum return and these huge jumps in your business and outcomes
3: and that's probably been one of the biggest things I've learned uh, in working with and around you, Mike uh, and Travis, is that sales isn't a bunch of lines, it's a process. There is a way to really get into the root and actually be okay with if we get to the end of that and it's not the right solution. That's Absolutely. that's what a true person that's doing good and helping and selling, and uh, they they get down there and understand how do we help this
0: prospect move on their goals, so... Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and one of the and things not avoiding the truth. Yeah, I'm sorry to step on you there, Ryan. I'm just Don't saying that, you know, to to stay on what Jeremy mm-hmm. just said is you know, we we so often see business owners, sales professionals not getting to the root or I'm gonna call it the truth as quickly as possible. And because it's the truth, it's the real thing underneath all of that that allows us and if by the way, this is not a good client for us. Send them to the competition, because if they're not good for you, let the competition have them and let them ruin their business, right?
1: <laughs> sure, sure. So you, you mentioned this, and I'd love to hear from both of you on this. Uh, I'd love to get a response from both of you. You'd mentioned that there are blind spots that often uh, business owners, business leaders, sales managers, they have into their business and into their people. And I like to tell people that you can't read the label of the jar you're inside of. Sometimes you're too close to it. Sometimes you're emotionally invested in it. And those blind spots can really be, if you can expose them, they can really have dramatic impact into your business. So what are some of the blind spots that each of you see in working with new clients? Uh, What are the things that are very common?
2: I'm really glad you guys touched on this with regards to entrepreneurship and running and creating, driving a business. Because... You know that 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 is the the trick. The rabbit that's that's in the hat is 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 being able to see a blind spot that you you just can't see because it's so close to your nose Uh you can't see it. And I'll tell you from a sales perspective and, and a business development growth perspective, probably the most common thing that I see is entrepreneurs have this passion this conviction um, and and most oftentimes is sheer will and determination that drives business growth like I'm gonna do it. I, I just got to get out and I just got to tell enough people about it. I believe in this. this is the right thing and they grow their business to a certain point and then they go hire a salesperson because they recognize or they work with somebody, like Jeremy, and says, Hey, you got to stop selling. You need to actually run this business. So they say, great. I'm going to go hire a sales guy. I'll go hire a top flight professional salesperson, or I'll go get a brand new person. That's not corrupted. Either way they go, they think they can go out and say, look, do what I do and you'll be successful because that's how I was successful. And the blind spot, what they don't see is the reason that they've been successful at doing what they do and growing the business the way they have is because they are who they are. Mike has a lot of things that he can say and do that don't fit me. Likewise, I have things that I say and do that don't fit Mike. And if I tried to say and do what Mike does, it it wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't be true. And people see right through that. So as an entrepreneur, you, you have your own personality, your own style, and your success has been largely pivoted on that style. And then you go hire somebody else who's different, say, just do what I do. And what mm-hmm. they don't see is it's not the same person. You can't do the same thing. They've gotta have their own style, their own approach. Can we take what you did and just lay it out in a system? And again, the blind spot comes in here where, where you see we, we lay out a system and they go, oh yeah, I, I do that. I, I do that all the time. That, yeah, that's something. Like they, hey, I might not be a right fit for every client. Well, entrepreneurs get that and they understand, hey, this is my business. I don't have to do business with this guy. If I can't help him, it's just going to be a nightmare client for me. I'm going to move on and just let this one go. But when you put a sales amateur in there and they're like, well, it's still an opportunity. They said they were interested. They said, yes, I got to close this deal, even if it's not a good client. You just can't see that innate um understanding that the entrepreneur has you can't see it because it it's you're so close to it it's like it just makes sense to you so having somebody be able to look from outside your business talk to you about what you have going on, and then be able to say, "Well, what about this if you consider the fact that that guy's not you so he can't do what you do
1: well, and I love that, that Travis' I- cause- I I know Mike, I've known him for quite a few years now, and I know that he likes to be very playful in the sales process, and um, especially with people he's comfortable with, he likes to call them nicknames. Like I'm just not the guy that's going to walk in and call somebody nicknames if I have a relationship with them or I've talked to them before, but it works for Mike. And if that was part of the process, Ryan, if you want to be successful like Mike, you can need nicknames for everybody. That just wouldn't work for me. Look, sweet lips, I take objection to that. See, there it is. (laughs) There it is. Uh, But it works for Mike because that's part of who he is. He's just playful in that sense. But Mike, anything you want to add to that?
0: Yeah, well, I would say, you know, I've uh, probably coached 10,000 CEOs since opening my doors. And there are patterns I see for blind spots. And if anybody's listening to this, that's an entrepreneur, and you're starting a company and you're trying to build that blue collar culture that Ryan and Jeremy are really trying to uh, contribute to, many entrepreneurs that I see have a blind spot in the development of their company because they want to do something better, faster, uh, more uh, financially or economically um, wise for their clients, but they don't know how to articulate the significance of that company to either their employees or to the market, right? They they fall into a trap after being in business a year or two, being beat up by the competition, falling into the mental game. We're just like X or we're just like Y. And they lose that significance. They lose that ability to not be commoditized, to not stand out uniquely. And it becomes conditioned blind spots where, you know, when you're first starting the company, you know, the sky's the limit. After being beat up for a year or two, they change this mindset and that becomes a blind spot in itself that they don't even realize that they've been conditioned to not believe in their company to the level that they need to believe in their company. Because I know as a business owner, if I come in Sorry for the crudeness of the podcast, but crapped out because I'm I'm in a funk or I had a a fight with my wife or whatever the case is. My employees pick up on that. My I am conditioning my employees. I then communicate that to my clients and it just continues to ripple everywhere. So uh, one of our core jobs is to keep that passion, keep that significance, why we exist, why we're different. So our employees pick up on that. Our customers pick up on that. Our salespeople pick up on that, and everybody's enthused to get out there and do exactly what they're supposed to do to keep that vision alive.
1: Got it. So, a couple of things I heard in there: the the vision is really important, and not losing sight of that uh, why you do this and where you're going with it. But I think the other thing too is uh, you didn't say it in you know outright, but the lid the the law of the lid you're only so great of a leader or a salesperson. And if you go out there, you can only coach other people so well. So if you become conditioned to these blind spots, you're not going to be able to help your team break through. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Exactly right. And that's, uh, I think that's the reason why people should be reaching out just for the sake of being uncomfortable and getting people to come in and advise and by the way, I'm not into having consultants in my business for years, but like I would bring in Jeremy and have him work with me on the structures and the rhythms of my business. I would bring you in for, you know, the cultural development, getting the right people on the bus. You know, those those are tools that don't need to be long engagements but completely change, takes the lid off the jar and allows you to jump much much higher than you were able to before.
1: Now that's that's great. So let's talk about the vision a little bit, uh, because one of the things that we talk a lot about is getting salespeople aligned with the company's values, the company's goals. Uh, I get a lot of people I talk to, like, if I could just find a great salesperson, if I could just find someone that could mm-hmm. blow up my business for me, if I could just find someone that would stick around and not jump to another company because it's easier to make commissions somewhere else. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how do they overcome that? What are you thinking, Travis?
2: Um, in, in my career, um, I didn't work for a, a lot of different companies. But one thing that, was, that became very clear for me early on was I had to have a, a connection and a confidence in the product or service and the company and the leadership to support sales um, and, and I I, want, I know this is gonna sound biased as a you know a career sales professional, but the greatest companies that I've worked for to sell for have a culture of nothing happens until something gets sold, um, and that that's from top level executive leadership on down. Um, when you've got a culture of belief that sales is at the core of what we do, and and in my belief, every business, uh, whether you're a, a doctor, a lawyer, social worker, every business revolves around the ability to compel action, which is selling, the faith and the confidence of every individual in that company revolves around the mindset that we have to sell. We've got to compel action and get people engaged in what we do. So instead of looking for uh, the guy that's got, you know, great statistics and numbers in his sales career, I'm looking for the guy that is so passionate about uh, compelling people to action in in what we do um, and in the culture of the company that we provide that if they are struggling with something um, they're they're very quick to have an open and honest conversation about it and and seek help either internally or externally to get through it because that level of conviction and passion is there for what they do and, and I'm I'm sure Mike's got a, a more eloquent way of of articulating that but that's that's what my my thoughts are.
0: Well, I I want to just add to a couple of things that Travis said which is you know he's got his own brilliance in in that process and. Uh, Let me just give it from a CEO's point of view in that struggle. And they typically believe at some level, a false belief. That's one of those blind spots we're talking about that, Hey, if more people just heard about my product or knew about this or understood what we do, then that's what a salesperson's supposed to do. Right. I mean, they, they just believe so much in what, what they do that they believe if, if you just knew about it, you'd buy from me. And it turns out that that's one of those false positives, that it's although it's a good thing, it's you put it out there a million times, it's just not going to work for you. But to Travis's point, you have to have somebody who's bought into the mission and shows up passionately about the significance of your company, why you do what you do. That's, that's what makes it really, really, really worthwhile. However, there's the false beliefs, the false definition of what a salesperson is that Travis is touching on, which is, oh, they just need to go out there and teach our prospects. They have to go out there and educate our prospects. They have to go out and inform our prospects. And as the people, at least on this phone call, realize that's an intellectual exercise that does not compel people to buy from you, it just informs them. And now once they know, they can go compete you against other people because they have enough knowledge. It doesn't compel the sale. And that's the trap, right? That's part of the reason why people have long sales cycles. They get a huge amount of turnover in their sales force because they're not being productive. They're not making enough money. Or the worst of all, belief systems of the ownership and belief systems of the salespeople are the same. And now they're stuck in a a vicious cycle of never being able to close anything Because they don't know how to manage that sales team or manage the right person if they got them.
3: No, I definitely have seen that. You know, we we track accountability. Obviously, that's what I do for a living is helping teams get that accountability. Absolutely, yeah. And it's aligned to that vision. I remember I was at an event one time and the salesman for a custom home builder uh, literally like slammed his hand down on the table and he's like, we will be the biggest, the best custom home builder in North America. And he said it was so much conviction and so much passion. Like he was so bought into what that company was doing. I wasn't even in the market of building a custom home. And I started thinking about it, you know, like, hmm, <laughs> I need to talk to this guy. Like this guy's got like the passion came through the, the the leader had been able to transfer that to the sales team to the point. That there was no way I was going to argue with that guy. (laughs) Like, he apparently was getting ready to build the biggest, the best, the premier custom home building company in North America. And nobody in their right
0: mind would ever argue with him. We have a rule to that very story you just gave, which is the committed get people to commit and the believers get people to believe. And that's an emotional side of the equation, not the intellectual side. It's not about the education anymore, is it? He didn't have to convince you, you were bought in on this. You were compelled about that. Right. Exactly.
3: That was years ago that this guy did this. And I still remember him telling it, but he said it from a place that was not lip service. Uh, It was coming. You knew that this guy believed it deep down. And like I said, nobody in their right mind was going to argue with them. So that actually brings me to my next question that I want to ask is how much, you know, we've all seen it where the the CEO has a vision for the company. They're very passionate about it. When they're out selling, obviously sales do well. They try to translate that to their sales team. But sometimes the sales team takes it the other way. Like they feel like, yeah, he's just whatever, just posture and just kind of whatever. And they don't buy into it. How have you seen that affect the sales process, the sales cycle? You, guys, you got some examples of that? Uh, I was gonna let
2: you go ahead, Mike. Go for it. That's <laughs> a hard question.
0: Jeremy, no? <laughs> yeah, Jeremy um, no, I, I, I'm not sure I understood the question. Would you rephrase it for me?
3: That's perfect. I love it when somebody's uh, that open and honest. That's what we really you, we need there. So, um, what I'm saying is, is how much w- when you're looking at a salesperson and they're not closing, how much of that is have you found? can be because they don't believe in the vision of the company. So they're out there pushing a the oh, product because they need a commission check, but they're not bought in. And so therefore they're not closing. I mean, that's getting down to the truth. Yeah.
0: Well, there, there are th- three domains. When I, when I If I'm called in because let's say Jeremy can't sell and Ryan's your boss, and I, I say, okay, well, let me meet Jeremy. There's a few tests I run on a salesperson, first of all. Do they believe in the company? Do they believe in the significance? Of the company. They believe in the mission and its purpose. And if, if you don't believe, you really can't sell. And I think that's exactly uh, the root of the point that you're trying to make. However, I would say if they do believe, we're not done with the diagnostic, right? The person could very well be passionate about what we're doing and still not be able to sell for several reasons. But to just stay in the belief area for a moment, we have to realize they have to also believe in the marketplace, right? They have to believe in the company, yes, but they have to believe in the marketplace as well. Will it facilitate what it is we're selling? So that's the second piece the second core belief system we want to manage. And then the third belief is really the belief in oneself. Am I capable? Am I worth it? And it's really hard for me to make six figures. It's really hard for me to not um, make the money that you want me to make if I don't believe in myself to make that money. Makes sense? Now, assuming that those three beliefs line up, then it's about the next three things that we would want to make sure that they are doing. Are they doing enough things to get the outcome that they want? Because if they're not doing enough, there's a couple of consequences. One, they'll never get to the goal. Two, they'll never become masters at it. And the enough piece is really the key that has the rhythms, the momentum, the energy that gets a sales professional really running. And then the second and third things are really, are they doing the right things? And are they doing those right things correctly? So now I actually get down to the competency of what they're doing to the previous conversation we were having. If they're just out there spewing information, not compelling action, that might be partly the right thing, but they're doing it incorrectly, right? They're Yes, the customer needs to know what they're going to buy, but they may be doing it too early in the sales process. They don't have the right information, and or they're spewing too much information, and that's actually inhibiting the sale. So it's it's not there's not a single answer, but man, once you understand those simple dynamics, it's either oneself that gets in the way, or how one does something that gets in the way. Once you make that distinction, it's really easy. To help diagnose why a sales team is not functional.
3: So once we get past uh, the belief in the company, belief in the market, and belief in the in ourselves, that's when we can actually move into process diagnosis, how we're how we're selling, are we communicating the product right? And, and really dive into yes. breaking that free.
0: Yes. And, and it's interesting, I went to a sales meeting for a new client today. And it was clear everybody in this sales company, or excuse me, in this company and the sales team believes in the product. They believe in the marketplace. There were a few that were honest with me during the sales meeting and said, yeah, I never made that much money. That's a doubt in themselves. But everybody agreed, yeah, we're not doing the right things.
1: No, that's that's great. So what I heard a lot, and I I know you guys spend a lot of time working on this, is that self-growth is mindset having the right beliefs, having the right mindset around this. But one of the things I want to dig into is how do we figure out what those right things are and how do we make sure that we're able to replicate that across the sales team or we're able to make sure a new a person coming to the sales team can do those right things? Do you have any thoughts on
2: that? That's a, I love the question um, because it it's at the core of – um what what I think the the keys to success are whether you're uh, talking about what you're doing in marketing or what you're doing in the, your overall company company structure and processes and systems. and to me the the, the keys to unlocking uh, what's right, what's not right uh, is it's so individually based. I mean we can we can put the best processes and systems together. Um and we can we can test and prove, hey, we've got a system here, we've outlined it, um, it moves step one, two, three, and these are the results you're gonna get. Um, and the 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 wrench in the mechanics, if you will, is in the in the piece that is coaching. Um and coaching to me is being able to ask the right questions at the right times and Helping people to discover for themselves why isn't this working the way that it's supposed to work what what is what's not happening that should be happening, or what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing um you know Mike Mike talked just a moment ago mentioned about doing enough of the right things correctly um and when you tie that together with the belief in what you're doing, it's very easy. And I, I say that from my seat, it's it's easy to sit back and just to ask. It's a lot easier to ask questions and have people discover for themselves why something is working or why something isn't working. And, and it's always a lot easier to figure out why something's not working than it is why it is working, um, which is why we we push and, and Coach, the, the idea of failure is, is your friend because it's going to be your fastest learning tool. But being able to ask the questions to help our employees, our, our team members to get to them for themselves to see what it is that's causing this dysfunction. Um, and I know that both Ryan and you and, and Jeremy both, it, this is at a core of what you do as well is, is asking the questions. So that people can learn for them for themselves, what's working, why is it working, what is not working, and why do we think that's not working?
1: Yeah, Mike, you anything to add to that? Yeah, boy, uh, tons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know you're limited on tape here. Yeah, I I, w- I would say that one of the exercise. You know, we talked about coaching, right? I mean, there's there's different layers of people uh, adoption into proper sales action. So so let me let me try to contribute to everybody listening. Language is what controls how everybody works together, right? I mean it's it's the it's the common denominator that allows everybody to do the right things is how we communicate. And um like for example, if I'm a sales manager and Travis is my salesperson, And he comes back in and says, oh, Mike, I just had the greatest sales call. They loved me. They love Conquest. And I said, great, perfect. We have a language term that we would coach everybody listening to this podcast to say, okay, what is your clear future? Now, we have a definition of what clear future is. But it's just an example of how a single language term like clear future helps enable systems in place, right? So if a salesperson leaves a meeting, they're excited, needless to say, for that uh, opportunity. The question is, did you get to the next step? And, And the words clear future allows us to give the reminder to the salesperson, okay, there should have been an outcome and it should be clear. And it's about the future, right? So it's a clear future. So that those simple words should trigger the system, the methods, what we do to be complied to in that simple process. And and we there are hundreds of them that we help install inside of a company. But I guess my point is, help have your language help hold people accountable. Have your language hold systems in place. Have the common language help grow your company.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's fantastic! And I can tell I've seen that in my business just. When I say clear future, everybody knows what that means. So that's awesome. Right. So I've I've got one more question for each of you. We're running up on time here, but I would love to hear from you on this one. So when it comes to creating or growing and developing your sales team, what's the number one piece of advice you have for blue collar entrepreneurs and leaders who are listening right now? Uh, Travis, you go first.
2: If if you're building A sales team, even if it's one sales individual, if it's 15 sales individuals, there's there's purpose behind that. This is this is a critical um, structural foundation of your growth plan, your vision for where you want to go, and the investment of time. And I understand that this takes time, but the investment of time in understanding. Each individual salesperson, and for me specifically, what is motivating them? What's driving that sales professional or salesperson to go out and do enough of the right things to uh, take the nose, take the, the kick in the shins, to uh, persevere when they're, when they're on a high and they're closing a lot of deals, not to sit back and relax, but to continue to drive forward. What drives them personally, and I don't know a shortcut to getting there other than having that really honest, open conversation with them. Uh, I have a great story of a, a electrician that we were working with, and he had a a good really good performer, and we were talking about this idea of understanding what motivates him. and he said, "I'm afraid that I think I already know what it is." and I said, "Well what what do you think is driving like?" He says, I think he wants to start his own business. Okay, brilliant. That's fantastic. Go have that conversation. Well, but what if he says that's what he wants? He wants to start his own business. Okay, well, let's let's make an agreement with him. If that's what's driving him, that's what's motivating him, then can you sit down and say, look, I will give you everything I have. I will teach you everything I know about opening and running your own electrical business. Can you, in exchange, commit to me the next two years, three years, whatever that time frame is? Give me everything you've got for the next two or three years, and I will teach you everything that I can so three years from now, you're ready so that you can start off on your own and what's the productivity that you can expect from a guy when you understand his motivators to that level, and he's going to go out and bust his butt every day with the intention that you're behind him helping him get whatever it is is ultimately his want or his goal that feeds his emotional
1: fire now that's i love that taking the time to understand their motivation uh mike what do you got (laughs) you only get to pick one no no i know but i was so intrigued by travis's story
0: i'm going Oh, that's brilliant. I, oh, yeah, I got a customer. I got to go do that one. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Repeat the question so I'm answering the right question. Would you please?
1: <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to either creating or developing a sales team, so either bringing on new people or working with the people you have, what number one piece of advice do you want our listeners to have? Number one thing is having an onboarding
0: system and I emphasize the word system because a lot of people think onboarding is just sitting them down and training them about the products and features, but that's not what an onboarding system is to me. An onboarding system to me is a period of time we work together where I, your hiring manager, guarantee your success by teaching you, holding you accountable, and making sure you produce enough of the right results in the right time by doing enough of the right things correctly for a period of time. And it's not a two week period. It's like 90 days, 120 days, six months, depending on your company and your cycle. But making sure that not only what Travis said, understand them personally, but now coach them, teach them, onboard them correctly. So not only do they fit the blue collar culture you're trying to create, but also try to get them uh, in those systems managing those expectations, handling the rebellion, the upset, having that dedicated energy go into everybody you hire. And at the end of that process, if they don't make it, you now have feedback for your hiring process to continue to optimize the hire correctly. And that's the power of the onboarding system. Not only do you get graduates that are highly more productive you get feedback for the failures that teach you how to hire more effectively as well. And this onboarding piece is such a critical component to making sure that you uh, have a purely functional team by the time they get through their onboarding.
3: Well, as we get to the end of this time, together, I can't believe it's already almost over. i had a great time. I did want to highlight one thing uh, that, Mike, you and Travis do, and it's, you're so natural at it that I, I just wanted to highlight it for the audience. And that's just being completely comfortable in, in you. Um, so, so so often when we're a sales caller, and I, I see this, our sales teams are going out there and they gotta have the perfect answer, at the perfect moment. I've been with you several times and I, and I know when you're just like, hey, I didn't understand that question. Can you help me out? Those kinds of things in the natural way of just being real. I think that that's, you, I, I always love that about you guys.
0: Well, I appreciate that. That's likewise for you. And for those people that haven't gotten to meet you and Ryan personally, you just have to do it. They're, they're phenomenal human yeah. beings. And, and you have to understand how, how their contribution helps so much.
1: Well, thank you for that. Um, So there's been a lot that we've talked about today. You guys, I mean, this we haven't even scratched the surface how valuable you guys can be to companies that are growing sales teams. So if someone listening right now wanted to get a hold of you, wanted to learn more, how do they do that?
0: The best way is probably just go online at conquesttraining.com. Conquesttraining.com. You'll see several of our curricula and how we do business together and blog articles and those types of things, including some videos. So there's that that tool. Uh, email is also the best way. Um, at Mike Tony uh, at Conquest Training, that's M I K E T O N E Y at conquesttraining.com, or Travis Gepson G E P S O N at conquesttraining.com.
1: Awesome! Thank you guys so much uh, for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your experiences. Really enjoyed it today. I had a great time. And uh, for those of you listening out there, if you're struggling with sales teams, these are the guys that can help you with it, whether it's recruiting new salespeople or getting your existing sales team kicked into gear so that you can really blow up your business. Thanks again, guys. I really enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you much.
0: The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.